You've heard the scripture reading from the second chapter of Ephesians this morning. The title of the sermon today is A Great Church is Gainfully Employed. We're continuing this series of looking at what are the marks of a great congregation. And so today I want to lift up to you uh, that a great church is gainfully employed. One of my favorite stories comes from Max Lucado's book, When God Whispers Your Name, and uh, I've used it for several years and adapted it to, to suit my own purposes in a way, so with all due respect to Max Lucado, I'd like to share my version of that story with you this morning. For as far back as anybody could remember, the relationship was absolutely perfect. I mean, the moon had faithfully reflected the rays of the sun into the dark night. I mean, it was the absolutely perfect duo. I mean, it was like peanut butter and jelly. It was like biscuits and gravy. I mean, they just worked so well together until one day a passing meteor just stopped by and questioned what the moon's purpose in life really is. The meteor said, Moon, do you realize that all you do is reflect? You need to stop reflecting and you need to start generating. You're really just playing second fiddle to the sun. You need to break away from the sun and do your own thing. And so for the first time, the moon began to realize that there really were some inequities in this relationship. I mean, why should he have to work the night shift all the time, right? And why were astronauts always walking all over him? And why was he the one always accused of making waves? And why don't dogs and wolves howl at the sun every now and then? And speaking of the sun, why is it such an outrage to moon somebody, but sunning is a perfectly acceptable practice? The moon began to realize this relationship is really not what I want. I really don't. I really am playing second fiddle to the sun. I, I want to I focus on myself. And so the moon began to focus on itself. He disassociated with the sun. He began to try to work on his complexion, all those craters on his face. Wasn't really helping him. The anemic yellow color. So he just started focusing on himself started using glacier packs on his complexion. Now his complexion is smooth as a baby's bottom, and he's really trendy, and he's fine. People began to take notice, passing meteors, taking notice. Other moons were inviting him over to watch old reruns of As the World Turns. It was great. But then the tr trends began to change, and while he was so fashionable for a moment, when, when the culture and the trends started to change, he was out of style again and again, and he kept feeling like he was just playing catch-up all the time, trying to be whoever everybody else wanted him to be, trying to find some way to generate his own uh, personality. And then one day, the moon thought about the sun. He said, you know what, I wouldn't have to constantly reinvent myself when I was working in concert with the sun. When I was with the sun, I had a purpose in life. When I was at the sun, I was doing what I was created to do, and that was to reflect the rays of the sun into a darkened world. 
And so the moon decided to go back. The sun had never left. The sun was always there waiting. And the moon said, I'm ready to do what I was created to do. I think that's what's important about us as Christian people to know what it is that we were created to do. What were we created for? Who were we created by? And then being willing to do that. And I could have chosen all sorts of scripture lessons to illustrate that point today, but in the book of Ephesians, I was drawn to that particular passage because of several reasons. Uh, first of all, we're reminded that uh, we are tempted in this world in which we live to follow the ways of the world to let the world chart our course for us, to determine who we are and how we're supposed to live and be. And, um, and Paul in the book of Ephesians addresses that. And Paul said that sometimes we're willing to follow our own thoughts and our own desires and our own wants and our own needs. And Paul says because of that, we who are sinful human beings have been separated from God that what we're doing is not what God designed us to do, created us to do. And, and so God, in an effort to eliminate that separation from God, sent Jesus so that Jesus could give us new life in Christ, so that Jesus could remind us just how much God loves us. And then the writer goes on to say that after we've been reminded of just how much God loves us, after we've been given new life in Christ, after the separation that sin has created between us and God has been restored by Jesus, that we were created to do good works. But the writer reminds us that uh, we don't do good works to receive or to earn God's love. If you're doing good works in order to earn the love of God, then really what you're, work, work you're worried about and what you're celebrating is self-love. I can keep doing all of these things and it's going to make God love me even more. But what Paul says is that we don't do good works to earn God's love, but we do good works as a response to God's love. It's because we realize that God has bridged the gap between us and God through Jesus Christ. It's because we realize that we have received these great, unmerited, undeserved, and unearned gifts from God that we then have heart or should have a heart to share that same good news, that same unmerited, undeserved, ungrate, unearned grace with others and that we're supposed to do good works. I've said all along preaching this sermon series that I wasn't sure that I knew the church well enough to say whether or not you have the marks of a great church in some of these areas, but one of which I do feel quite confident in already being able to speak to is that you do possess this mark of a great congregation when you're gainfully employed, when you're serving others in the name of Christ and for the sake of Christ. I had a great microcosm of that just in the past week of uh, serving here in the church. On Thursday night, uh, we opened up our doors to be guests to some women in our community who are experiencing homelessness. 
I got to watch as our youth help prepare and feed uh, these women meals. I got to be a part of the fellowship that we shared around the table. And then I got to go home knowing that our church had provided a safe and a comfortable space for a group of women in our community to spend the night so that they wouldn't have to be worried about where their uh, meal was coming from, where they could take a shower, uh, where they could enjoy a good night's rest. And then on the next morning, Friday morning, as we're saying goodbye to those treasured guests in our church, we were welcoming other guests. We had all of the teachers here from Reeves Rogers School. They chose to come to St. Mark's to do a day of in-service and a day of team building. And so we had all morning long this group of 40-something teachers and administrators at Reeves Rogers here preparing to educate children, to guide children, to help them to grow uh, into the people that we believe that God wants them to be. And I said, this is the church that understands the importance of being gainfully employed in serving all of God's people in all of the ways that that requires. This is the church that remembers what it was created to be, to reflect the rays of God's Son, Jesus Christ, into a world that on so many days and in so many ways can seem like all-consuming darkness. Thanks be to God for a church that's such gainfully employed.